to the Between the Dream podcast. I'm your host, Richard Taylor Jr. Today is Friday, September 13th. Wow, Friday the 13th, 2019. Hope you all are doing well. Hope that you've had a phenomenal week. I'm so excited for today's episode. Cannot wait to get on here. Listen, as you all know, this month of September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and we're going to be having some very intentional conversations. I told you I had an amazing guest that was going to be coming on and tagging with me on a few conversations, and I'm so excited about that. But before we get to that, I want to first let you know that the Between the Dream podcast is brought to you by our sponsors at Fibersoul.com. Fibersoul is a one-stop shop for Christian streetwear that balances the latest styles and life-giving scripture. With Fibersoul, you can wear apparel that always speaks life. And right now, you can get 15% off of your first order using code TAYLOR15 at Fibersoul.com. For my new listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I definitely appreciate you all coming in. I ask that you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening on. And for those of you all that have been with me since the beginning or at some point in the process, I want to thank you all as well. And make sure you're sharing this. Guys, this has been a crazy, crazy week. Spent the first three days in Chicago. Spent most of the days in airports yesterday with crazy delays. And now I'm here in Richmond, Virginia for the next two days. I got two colleges and I wanted to make sure that we got this podcast episode recorded. And I'm so excited about today's conversation. We are in the thick of Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And earlier this week, well, midweek, we had the uh, World Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. And we've got a lot to talk about, but I am not here by myself talking about this. Today, I have my friend, my Instagram sister, uh, a phenomenal psychotherapist, uh, Trish Wyatt, also known as at T wellness underscore on Instagram. You got to make sure you follow her. She is joining this conversation today as we talk about um, a few different things, high functioning depression, but then also um, the conversation around the high functioning lifestyles of leaders that end up uh, attempting Uh, suicide or are falling into a deeper hole as it pertains to their mental and emotional health. Trish, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm so excited to have you. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while. We finally got everything together to go ahead and make it happen. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Me too. So before we get started, can you do me a quick favor um, and just let the listeners know a little bit about yourself, about the work that you currently do, and even what got you into the work um, as a psychotherapist and the work on the mental health field? Definitely. Um, So I'm actually, I'm in Michigan, licensed psychotherapist. Um, I do private practice. And that's an interesting question as far as what kind of led me to my field. Um, I like to say, I think my purpose met my passion and Mm. it created my career. Um, I once um, suffered from a pretty horrific eating disorder, um, which for me, that included a lot of depression and um, the things that come with that. And through my own process and my own healing, I became very interested in mental health and, and the way it impacted my life personally. Um, so what I, what I think kind of separates me or makes me a little bit different is I always feel like I have a really dual 
perspective on mental health um, Mm -hmm. from a clinical aspect, of course, and and what Mm -hmm. I've learned in school and um, but really from a personal perspective, because I suffered um, from what I called really detrimental um, depression for quite some time. Um, And so I've been able to see it on both sides now, what it's like to be in that space and then to be, you know, um, in a really peaceful, healed space, you know, afterward. Right. um, I really, um, I, I know you know this, but I'm extremely passionate about mental health and how it impacts, um, you know, everybody because it does, it impacts a lot of people. So good. It absolutely does. I mean, we see it constantly, you know, I think even in the media this week, and we're going to talk about that here in a few, but you know, you just, like you said, I mean, it's, it's all around us and it's so important for us to really dive into, which leads me into the conversation that we're going to be having today, actually. Um, when it comes to, so I did a, I did a podcast episode a few weeks ago uh, around the conversation of high functioning depression Mm -hmm. and just the reality that um, and it it, just as a a bit of background I think you remember it but I posted up a picture um, with a bunch of like very high energy celebrities entertainers and just well-known people in the field of doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. and on the top of that picture it said this is what depression looks like Mm -hmm. and and so from there it struck a chord with a lot of my viewers and listeners and so I decided to make a podcast episode about it just kind of talking about it what that looks like and what are some things that we can do and so on there I did talk about how I was going to have you on the show and of course we have you here now which leads us to um this space of our joint conversation when it comes to high function and depression. You and I have talked about it. We talked about the need for more self-care Definitely. and everything like that. Right. And so I guess the, the, the first question is with that and just, I want to get your take on this, but yeah, w- when we talk about self-care, it's very easy to tell folks to self-care, but let's really dive into what that looks like for any listeners. And I've had a few who have heard that podcast episode and actually come back to me, letting me know like, Hey, you know, you said some things that really resonated with me and I didn't, I, I didn't identify it as such in my life, but now that you said it, it makes sense. And so I guess on the road to recovery and self-care for those listeners, for anybody else who might realize, Hey, I am functioning under some mm-hmm. form of high functioning depression. What advice would you give them? Like what does self-care really look like? So I would say first, I would go back just a little bit and maybe just even point out to people what, you know, functioning depression looks like, because Mm -hmm. I've really learned that a lot of people don't even recognize that they're in that space of what we would reference as functioning depression, you know, to be honest, to even know that maybe self-care is really important in these moments because they don't recognize that that level of functioning that they're at is actually impaired because when you, when you're kind of in it and I know, you know, we both know this, you're living in it, you're walking in it. It it really becomes your very normalized narrative. And so you don't always recognize the space you're in and maybe how bad it is. Um, So I think first it's important for people to recognize you know, certain things that might be changing for them, you know, are you not enjoying some of the things that you did in the past? You know, are you not getting pleasure from, you know, your interpersonal relationships? Um, Are you not satisfied at work? Do you have this kind of just overall 
low mood or just lull in your mood and you just feel kind of numb. Um, people will often say to me, they just feel kind of exhausted, mm-hmm. even from really basic things. You know, going to the grocery store becomes much more of a task than it did, you know, before. Right. Um, and so a big part of when I'm talking to people who are questioning that state is us really figuring out, okay, is your functioning impaired? And if it is, the self-care becomes, you know, imperative in that moment. Um, I do work with a lot of patients and helping them learn about what real time means when it comes to their mental health. Mm-hmm. I can explain that. So the, the quicker you can take care of things in real time, the more successful you can be. So in that moment that maybe you feel your mood is off or something's not right, don't wait to do something to reverse that or do something positive in that moment. If it's going to take a walk, if it's watching your favorite show, Um, because what can happen is people kind of try to ride it out and that's not usually helpful. And so the quicker you can replace that behavior with something positive or that at least makes you happy in the moment is really important when we start talking about self-care. I would say the other important factor with self-care is recognizing what your own self-care looks like and what makes you happy because everybody's is different you know some people it could be getting their nails done other people that wouldn't (laughs) do anything for them um right for some people it could be going to the gym cooking their favorite meal so it depends what that is but have a list ready know what your self-care needs to look like so that you can pick one of those when you need it. And like I say, in real time. Yeah. And that's the beauty Mm -hmm. of self-care too. You know, as I talk to people about it, it's like, I think sometimes they do have this this thought that it's like, oh, I'm going to have to do a bunch of things. That's the doctor's orders and not realizing that the vast amount of self-care actually comes from what I like to call our muse, right? Like the thing that that speaks to us. Right. And so we've got to be able to I think there are some walls that we've got to let down, even in our own, um, uh, I guess you could say, preconceived notions or assumptions when it comes to what we think it's going to look like or what we think we're going to be told and not realizing that a lot of this conversation of mind and heart and emotion, they really are based around us and what we care about and what we like Mm -hmm. and what we deem appropriate for our lives and our healing. I would agree. And I, I think what has always um, going to sidetrack really briefly, I think what's always connected you and I is we have such a shared story as far as, you know, the battle with food and the eating disorders and how, right, right. how horrific it is in your life during that time. Um, and I think when I, you know, if we look at self-care and I, I love what you said, because it's figuring out your own muse and what what helps you. Um, I think for people maybe in our in our category who are what I call, you know, eating disorder survivors, um, we've spent so many years destroying our body. Right. Anybody Mm -hmm. who's gone through an eating disorder, you've destroyed your body, you know, whether it's restrictive, you know, or it's anorexia, bulimia. And for me, a huge part of self-care for me is fitness, because Now I have this opportunity to rebuild my body and repair it, take care of it, honor it, because I spent so many years 
destroying it. Right. Um, and so I've over the years recognized that as a really imperative part of my healthy mental health and maintaining that space so that I am good at what I do and I can be engaged because I'm taking care of myself. Yep. There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. No, that's so good. And I think, you know, the, the repair is where we're headed with this. Yes. So as we go on in this conversation with the high functioning depression and just high functioning in general, yeah. you, you talked a lot about self-care. Um, one of the things that we tend to see a lot of now is that there are, um, I think anybody can deal with high function depression, right? But typically, I agree. Two, two, or at least from what I've seen, two common areas where we tend to see a lot of the high function and depression are from people who are typically pretty extroverted Mm -hmm. and carry a lot on their workload, Mm -hmm. but then also leaders who, um, in their own right, have to, and leaders can be introverts or extroverts, yeah. but people who lead flocks of people, people who are out in the public eye, people who are typically, um, you know, when they're out in the face of individuals, they're, I don't want to say performing, but they're on, they're on it, right? And so mm-hmm. um, with that being said, one of the things that we notice more and more is that these types of individuals are the ones who are usually the ones that suffer and struggle the most and maybe sometimes to a fault in silence. I would Um, say that, in silence. Absolutely in silence, because this this was me back in college, like the individual who was so active, so proactive with so many groups and organizations and doing so many things, but then at the same time was like falling apart on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... I think as we talk about this, I want to shift the conversation real quick. We had two incidences take place this week alone during what is known as National Suicide Prevention Mm -hmm. Week. And I think one of them actually took place on World Suicide Prevention Day. And um, so we lost Dr. Greg Ailes, who was at Cornell University, um, a colleague of mine, had actually worked with him for 10 years. She told me about it. Um, on 9-11, I guess she was getting the news while we were at this conference together in Chicago that he jumped off of, a, I think, a seven story or from the seventh wow. floor and he took his own life. And this was earlier. Um, I, I want to say this was either late last week or early this week. And then we also had a pretty prominent pastor who was also a, a, a mental health advocate at a church if I'm not mistaken, in the Riverside area and in Southern California. And so the reason why these two were so important, Dr. Ailes, um, he was the head of the counseling department at Cornell University. That's significant. It's very significant. And then, then, like I said, with the pastor who was very open about his mental health struggles, um, and he was a fighting advocate, and then he took his own life as well. And so we, we have these two cases here during such a week and during such a time and I know it's left people with a lot of questions mm-hmm. it's left people with so many questions as to why or how could this happen but I think as we talk about high functioning depression like and, and just the high functioning lifestyle in general with the with the lack of, of mm-hmm. self-care you know th- this is what we see so what's your take on this Trish so well a lot but <laughs> 
I think when you talk about the two, uh, you know, sadly, the two people that you spoke about and in their positions, um, I've always said, you know, especially when you're looking at pastors and things, people in the church, um, that's a hefty weight. There's a lot of people that they're responsible for, and mm-hmm. typically people who are hugely responsible for a lot of people are not the person who that is that goes the opposite way where there are other people constantly kind of reaching out to them checking to see if they're okay they are typically as the person who doesn't need that right who is okay who look you know they're successfully managing things you know I think people would be amazed to know that um, even within private practice, a lot of people I see are people like nurses, mm-hmm. um, moms, stay-at-home moms, people who just are taking care of people but don't have their own outlet. Um, right. I, I would say what makes the, these two um, obviously not more important than any other suicide because they're all so devastatingly tragic. Yep. I think what makes these two stand out is their position. My guess is that, you know, um, there were a lot of people probably really surprised and didn't know or see anything coming. Um, So when you're looking at people, I love what you're talking about as far as leaders and people um, in positions that are constantly giving. The, The opposite of that is people and not on purpose and not with ill intent, but those people, people are constantly taking from them as well. Yep. And so who's putting back in to those people? And mm-hmm. so when you're talking about leaders or you people like myself, therapist or, or what you do, the speaking, you're pouring out a lot to a yeah. lot of people and burnout is significant. Um, you know, your own mental health is not protected the way it should be. Yep. And um, they're a perfect example of that. Um, and what functioning, you know, really the face of what a functional depressed person looks like in day to day, you are working with them. You might be living at home with them and not know your children may be suffering and not know because we, we don't have enough knowledge and awareness to even know, honestly, what the symptoms look like. Right. I are in a position where. We, we really are involved in mental health. Um, I think personally, the both of us have a, a level of empathy because we understand and we relate. And we lived through it. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we lived through it. Um, and I guess that's when I say what maybe separates me, you know, as therapeutically is more um, the empathy level. Because when someone sits down and they say, you know, I just can't take it anymore. I remember what that feels like. I I genuinely do. Um, And maybe there should be more teaching about helping people recognize in their loved ones what this looks like so that they can step in. Because the Mm -hmm. person living in it at some point does begin to recognize it but can't get out of it. Yeah. But the people around them don't know what's different. Um, I have worked with people who've become so good, to be honest, at covering it, that even their spouse is completely unaware until we bring them into a family session, completely Mm. taken aback by what we're sharing, because the person has done such a oddly enough amazing job at covering it up. And so... 
a lot of people don't even know who's suffering around them. Um, I have to tell you, there's a lot of people on jobs who are one step away from some really tragic outcomes and their colleagues, supervisors would probably have no idea. Right. And that's sad and scary. Very. Yeah. Very. I mean, and that's, I think that kind of leads us into the whole conversation space of like, Hey, this is why we have so many individuals that are reactive rather than proactive. Definitely. Definitely. Right. And so it, it's in, and, and I think that this is where we've got to, you know, really start opening up and there's some responsibility on both sides. So yesterday I did a, you know, I've been doing videos all month focused mm-hmm. around the conversation of suicide prevention. And yesterday I talked about leaders, um, pressure and suicide. And so in that, there were two challenges that I put out. The first is on the leaders to be able to actually open up and admit and yes. to discuss it, right? We've got to talk about it. And I'll get to the second one in a minute. But with that first one that I put out, I also put out the challenge within that first one of once we acknowledge it, in my opinion, there there is a, a there comes a point in time where the leader has to be able to rest for a season. Definitely. And it doesn't, it doesn't or a couple, mean or a that, couple of seasons. If we yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you are going to lose quote unquote status or that your life is over, but, but you need to be able to have that time to just recollect and, and really start pulling it back in to get together, get mm-hmm. it together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, with that being said, what are your thoughts on leaders taking a seat after the effects of their own trauma or maybe just could be because uh, I don't want to say oh just because you're a leader that deals with depression you got to take a seat yeah. that's not what I'm saying yeah. but specifically after a case like what you see here like so say for instance the suicide attempt didn't go through with a pastor or a leader or the depression did get to a point where they haven't been functioning or they're dealing with burnout what are your thoughts on leaders and and what uh, and, and being able to take a seat and to heal, but then also what does that potentially look like for them as well? So there's a couple a couple facets to what you're asking that I think are really important for people to think about because I, I like that you said um, or maybe not likes not a great term, but um, I think it's important what you said as far as maybe the people who that suicide was not um, successful in in the way that they wanted it to be. And so they're Mm -hmm. here, um, which is a great thing. But then you have maybe the people around them too, maybe their co-pastors or their co-leaders who that could be pretty a traumatic experience for them to witness. Um, And then when you talk about the person who was in a space where they believed no longer living, right? Because that's what we're talking about when we talk about suicide. People are in a space that's so bad and so heavy, so hard that their thought says, I would be better to no longer be here. Mm -hmm. When you really think about that, that's, that's a bad space, right? That you say to yourself, it will be easier for me. I will feel better no longer living. So when you take that person who decides that, right, because there's a couple levels and, and that attempt is failed, which is which is a good thing. Their perspective, though, may not be that because now I failed again. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. I am, and I, and not only did I fail again, I'm still here now with the pain that I had that brought me to that space. So their care needs to be taken up a couple of levels at that point by everyone around them because the feelings that they had going into that attempt didn't disappear because they weren't successful. The feelings Mm. are still going to be there. They just made it. And so when you ask me, should they take a seat? Should they take some time off? hundred percent, hundred percent. Should people around them maybe take a little time off? Definitely. Anyone who was impacted by that action should take some time to just be and evaluate what led that person to that space and what they need to do so that they don't get to that space. Um, And I don't think there's a timeline for that, you know, Um, which is why I have always said, I'm such a fan of what you do because awareness is everything because now that we're getting people, which on my perspective, because of what I do, I think is great that people are really becoming aware of what mental health looks like in our world it makes people understand more. So when your pastor, maybe 10 years ago, let's just say a pastor says to his congregation, I have to take some time away to protect my mental health. Everyone might not have understood that as much 10 years ago um, and might've said, well, how long, when will you be back? <laughs> what does this mean right. for us? I think now we can sit back and say, definitely do that. Take that time because we're understanding more what happens as a repercussion when people don't take that time. And a lot of times those consequences are hefty. Um, They impair their own interpersonal relationships, um, their self-esteem lessons. Lots of things happen that really we would view as not healthy. And we Mm -hmm. want to start avoiding that as much as we can. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I think in avoiding that, you know, we've got to be able to, um, we've got to be able to be okay. So I think there is a portion of pride that has to be let go. I agree. um, In that, because and pride is twofold, right? The first piece for me, when I talk about pride in this conversation is the fact that we have got to be able to, um, we have got to be able to first admit, right? That is the first. Yes. That is the first part of the conversation of pride. We have got to be able to admit. But then after that, we have got to be able to a degree, and I don't want to say let go, but we have to be able to pull away and take time um, and, and, and appreciate the time away so that we can heal. And I'm just going to kind of be honest here in this space. Um, I know for me personally, uh, <laughs> it was so crazy. I came off of what touring and speaking for eight weeks straight mm-hmm. around the country um, from the start of June to the end of July. And I was talking to Delina and I was moping around the house at one point, um, probably like a week into um, being back home. Mm-hmm. And I had like a three week, I had a three week break or maybe almost a four week break before I got back to work. And I kept saying, I feel so unproductive because I'm not out traveling mm-hmm. and I'm not out speaking and I'm not doing this, that, and the third. And she told me, she was like, babe, she was like, you've got to be okay with just resting 
in this moment and allowing yourself to be filled back up, allowing God to pour back into mm-hmm. you, give you what you need, do what you got to do here so that you can be ready for the next call. And it's funny because now I'm challenged more and more to learn to appreciate those, but then also more specifically in the appreciation, learning not to be my own worst critic or own worst enemy with this idea that I'm not productive just because I'm not out in the field right now at this right. moment. Yeah. And, and that, that space for a lot of people though, um, obviously you included, it sounds like can be a challenging space to be in because think about it, you know, a lot of our value and, and, and worth that we put on ourselves is tied into our careers and what we do. That's, that's typical. That's very normal. Um, you just have to be mindful of it so that when there is that pause or that break in what you do, that you're still who you are, because right. you still are who you are. Um, and I think uh, I, I love when you said about pride, I think there's a level of um, humbleness that has to come with that. Um, Cause you know, think about even um, like in my field as a therapist, you know, it'd be very challenging. I think for most therapists to say to all their patients, Hey, you know, I'm going to have to take a couple of weeks off. My mental health is not kind of where it needs to be. Most therapists would probably struggle to be able to say that to their own patients. Right. Um, Because what would that perception be? You know, it it would be a difficult one. Um, Is it a needed conversation at times, though? Probably for some people. Um, My guess, though, is it one that happens often in that setting? Maybe not. Um, Mm -hmm. Same with doctors and nurses and things like that. Um, But yes, I do really like what you're saying as far as you have to be okay to be in a space that you can still have value for yourself and yeah. know that it's okay. Absolutely. And like it and enjoy it. <laughs> so it sounds like the challenge here, Tristan, is to be able to create uh, a better space of community when it comes to, uh, what do we say? It takes a village to raise yes. a child. Yes. But it takes a village also to keep the rest of the village functioning too. Agre- so it sounds like we need to create some kind of community when it comes to a few things. The first is dropping the pedestal, right? We can yes. no longer, yes. from a, a stand, because you mentioned something that was really important, which was clients who, who, how would they perceive their therapist telling them that they need to take a break um, and looking at them like, well, you're the therapist, you're mm-hmm. equipped for this. Yes, I am, but also I'm human, which means I am still susceptible um, in the fact that I'm taking in your weight, the weight of others, and then my own weight as well, and still having to learn to bear and deal with it. Yeah. So a part of the community successfully and in yes. a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. a part of it is that those who are getting the help from leaders, they've got to be able to take their leaders off the pedestal and remember that they're leaders. I mean, remember that they're humans first. Yes. But then I think beyond that, we we also have to be able as a community to 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 fill in the gaps. So when one is down. We got to be able to lift up those who lift us up. And this is something that I, I've kind of realized more and more um, over the last few weeks is that uh, two things I said, I, I keep saying like, man, like at, to a degree, I'm like, man, I, I, I wish I wish I had more men or not even more mentors, but mm-hmm. more intentional mentors. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, all of my mentors are busy, so we talk when we can 
But it is great to be able to have somebody who's walked this road that you can be able to reach, who's a little more accessible, right? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I think just from a standpoint of the people around us, right? Like w- going back to the conversation of those who look at leaders with this idea that they have got it all together, you, you, you there are a few things that I think we got to be able to, to just really dissect and discuss here. The first is that we've got to get out of the notion that just because they are so on point with what they do, it's not them presenting it as they have it all together. Right. They're just doing what they need to do to really spark that fire and motivate the masses, but they're still human, which leads me to my second point. And this is something that I've noticed in my own life. And I was, I'm not gonna lie to you, Trish, I was a little frustrated about it when I first thought about it earlier this year, Mm -hmm. but uh, I've been trying to be better with it now. And you kind of hit on it earlier. Like I'm realizing more and more, I don't have many people, even for myself as a leader that check in just to say, Hey, how are you doing? I know you're doing a lot with people. I know you got a lot going on. I'm thinking about you. I got a few friends on the, how can I be praying for you? But when we talk about checking on that strong friend, it's not it's not always there for me. And I know a lot of other leaders feel the same way. Yeah. And it's not it's not as frequently discussed because maybe it is that whole idea of like, I'm not trying to ask you to coddle me and baby me. But man, like in the same way that you let me know I exist when it comes to you being helped, just do me a favor and, and return the favor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? and it, it goes back you know, to what you said when we talk about, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I guess we could add to that, you know, it takes a village to support a leader. Um, You know, who who does the pastor go to? That's a shirt, Trish. That's a shirt. It takes a village (laughs) to support a Put it on. Put it on a shirt. Okay. It's a shirt. It's a shirt. It's a shirt. Um, But think about it, you know, not to keep referencing, you know, the pastor of the church, but it, I, I think because of what just recently happened to it, it's kind of, I feel like just on, on my spirit. But um, when you think about that, when the pastor, let's say, has a problem in their relationship or their marriage or anything, who, who do they feel comfortable to go to, to help them the way they've helped maybe 17 or 20 or 30 other couples? Mm-hmm. Who do they go to that they That's feel good. comfortable with? So sometimes you don't know. They might leave the pulpit and you don't know what they're going home to. And then they don't know who to go to to say, things aren't good here. Can you help me? And so right. now they're walking, holding that in. I would challenge too that just a lot of people are walking day to day holding things. And every time someone comes into my office, you know what I think? I always say, I bet you no one around them knows the depth of what they're dealing with. That's a scary thought because in a sense, people are kind of on their last straw sometimes and you don't know that. Um, And you don't know what's going to be that tipping point for them because people don't know how to say, I just need help. And I agree with you when you put that on a different space of a leader or a person in a caregiving position they don't know who they should go to. And, right. then, and then I think that pride and all that does come into play. Um, and that's normal. It's just not helpful. Right. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. So that no, would that's be, a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. So dropping this pedestal, 
being able to, as a community and as a village, really uplift our leaders and not just uplifting them through the form of giving them a gift card at the end of the year or, you know, but like, man, like we've got to be more intentional in our relationship building with leaders and with being able to talk to leaders, because I think in the same light and fold, we have the capability and power to be able to help them in their darkest hours as well, right? By just simply being there more intentionally in conversation and, and being more intentional when it comes to just keeping them reminded that you, you are there for them. But then on that same, in that same tongue, we, we as leaders have got to be able to accept that as well. Listeners, stay with us as we'll be right back with the closing remarks here for this episode of the Between the Dream podcast. You're not losing in life. You're not failing. You're simply between the dream. And we're back. So, Trish, (laughs) I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Between the Dream podcast. And thank you for all that you are doing to help individuals right now. So we're getting ready to hit up the closing segment real quick before we can get to you just want to know um, if you have any closing remarks in this conversation. I know we can finish it. Um, obviously, there's so much more we can yeah. talk about and dive into. Um, yeah, so just just want to get an idea from you. Like, if you can give anything to the listeners as it pertains to this conversation around mental health and anything else, what would it be as we move forward so that we can be effective? Um, I think if I, you know, we're trying to kind of summarize a lot of what we said is for everybody for themselves and for people around them their loved ones their spouse their kids to start recognizing when when you or someone else just doesn't seem like themselves Mm -hmm. and recognizing the signs if you're starting to see them not you know socially engaged or not involving themselves in activities that they once loved or you know maybe they seem less than happy or you know mad even um Mm. ask them are they okay a lot of times to be honest we just don't ask a person are you okay (laughs) right we just don't say are you doing well how do you feel um and so I guess if I had to say anything is is be be alert to the people that are nearest to you and, and see if you're noticing things that don't seem like their norm. And if they give you an answer that you don't believe, you stay on them, you follow up, you check on them until they get to the space where they need to be in. That's so good. Thank you, Trish, for that. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of lot of work to do, but I just, I mean, I think little by little, the more information we get, you know, yes, knowledge is I power. Agree. I agree. Knowledge is power. Sharing is caring. All of those, <laughs> yes. all of those amazing quotes know what they really are, though. And so I think we do have a, a huge responsibility to be able to um, just be mindful of how we're presenting ourselves and everything else in this conversation so that we can do what's right. And so that we can do um, what's good to others, to ourselves mm-hmm. and to those around us that we don't even know. Um, and I'm, I'm super excited. Trish, thank you so much again. Where can the people find you um, on social media and anywhere else? Um, Instagram, T Wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S underscore. You can email me directly, twellness333 at gmail.com. Either one of those 
are perfect. Boom, there we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you're not losing in life, you're not failing, you're simply between the dream. So blessed to have Trish Wyatt here with us, psychotherapist out of Detroit, Michigan, um, just to really break this conversation down. For those of you all who find yourselves as leaders in this space right now, I want you to know that there's hope. Your life is worth living. Your life is valuable. And even in the moments where you feel like you've got so much on your plate and you don't know that you can, if you can handle it, hear me when I say you don't have to handle it alone. There is help. There is hope. And there is healing for you. Um, there is a community out there for you. Do not be afraid to reach out. You've got people here. And you've got more than you know in your circle and space as well. Trish, thank you once again. Um, we'll definitely be me. back in on this conversation soon, probably next week, which I'm to. so excited about. <laughs> so we'll definitely do it. All my listeners, thank you. Don't forget to follow me, Richard Taylor Jr. Um, at Richard.Taylor Jr. on Instagram, Richard L. Taylor Jr. on Facebook. You can also check out my website, RichardTaylorJr.com. YouTube, I've got a bunch of videos and footage and commentary up there as well. Um, I love you guys and I, I want to see you win and all you do. Uh, we'll definitely talk to you next time. Peace.